So I've traveled from Atlantic to Pacific with a mule and a pony, and then um, drove a, a wagon from Canada to Mexico. That was like 13 months. And these trips are like, no, I'm just going to set out and see what happens. This is Bernie Harberts, and traveling long distances in a wagon with a mule is kind of his thing. He's got a little yellow wagon with solar panels on top, and he does these whole cross-country trips solo. There's no support car following along. It's just Bernie and his mule Polly clomping along. to give you how slow this trip was. It took me almost 400 days on the road to do this trip. So I was traveling America like 15, 20 miles a day because I was traveling slowly, just looking at what I had in front of me. One day back in 2008, he was traveling through the Badlands in South Dakota. I'm cruising along, I remember it so well, it was like June. It was a beautiful day, big grassland, and there was like these cottonwood trees by the road. And I'm driving a mule, Polly, and I'm always looking for stuff because I'm traveling three miles an hour. And I come around this curve, and there's a damn big-ass dinosaur head like sticking its head just out of the bushes. And I'm like, holy crap. Holy crap, indeed. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura. Today, we're going to slow our roll down and climb aboard with Bernie Harberts and his little yellow wagon to visit that big-ass dinosaur in what used to be Creston, South Dakota. After this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes, fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. It's a lovely June day back in 2008. Bernie Harberts is holding the reins in the driver's seat of his yellow-covered wagon. His mule, Polly, is out in front. And the scene before them is just a wide expanse of South Dakota grasslands. And I come around this curve, and there's a damn big-ass dinosaur head, like, sticking its head just out of the bushes. And I'm like, holy crap! This thing is probably... 40 feet long, 15 feet tall, huge green 
brontosaurus. You know, it's got this massive long neck. It's got like, like red reflectors for eyes and like orange reflectors like you put on your driveway for lips. And I thought, I don't know what the hell this is. You know, it's time to give the mule a break. Let's stop and find out what the story is. I just want to take a moment to talk about this part of the country, specifically, actually, South Dakota. This is a land of roadside attractions. It is a land of long drives through unbroken flat expanses. And what breaks them up is giant things, weird things, enormous roadside attractions where you see a billboard for 50 miles before you get there and you pull over and you're looking at something like the Creston Dinosaur. So I was a little bit aware of this story, but here's how it goes. The town of Creston, South Dakota, had been founded in 1880. It was a small city off the Milwaukee Railroad line, which ran from Milwaukee all the way to the Pacific Northwest. By most accounts, the town of Creston only existed because of the railroad. It was like this little railroad boomtown. Creston's about 30 miles southeast of where Rapid City, South Dakota is today. The story goes that in 1933, right in the middle of the Great Depression, the manager of the Creston General Store, a guy named Ike Murphy, decided to build this big green dinosaur. And Ike Murphy wasn't wrong. The Creston dinosaur is still luring those who happen to pass by. It worked for me. <laughs> Today, there are roadside dinosaurs sprinkled all across the western states, a really Americana trend that began in the 30s and resulted in theme parks and Sinclair gas station mascots. Some might say that the Creston dinosaur was the very first of these roadside dinosaurs. And it makes sense if you look at the Creston dinosaur up close. It is not quite as refined or well-built as some of the other towering beasts you see today. Up close, its face is lumpy, like it was molded out of clay. Its long neck and abdomen are sagging and propped up by braces. It stands by itself, all on its lonesome in the middle of a field, just off a seldom-traveled highway. There's something a little bit melancholy about it, sort of velveteen rabbit-like, if the velveteen rabbit were a 40-foot-long concrete dinosaur. It was just surreal. When Bernie and Polly stumbled onto the Creston dinosaur that day in 2008, they pulled up right next to it. Bernie took some pictures, and then he climbed onto its tail and closed his eyes for a minute. Everyone should take a nap on a brontosaurus tail. Like, it just cradles you because it's kind of curved, kind of like your palm of your hand, except it's like 20 feet long. And I'm like, this is awesome, and now let's get the mule away from the dinosaur, get her out of the shafts, and damn if the wagon doesn't get stuck. So the wagon gets stuck in a soft spot right by the dinosaur. And I'm like, of all the places you could get a wagon stuck, it's here. Bernie tracked down the caretaker of the property. His name's Harvey McPherson. I said, Harvey, I got my mule stuck in this, this spot here, right by the dinosaur. Oh, he said, I know what that is. He said, I had a horse named Turbo. Really good horse. Love Turbo. He said, I was riding Turbo up, up the river. 
and Turbo got a stick stuck into his hoof. The hoof got infected, and Harvey had to put Turbo down. And so Harvey said, that's where I buried Turbo. So I got my wagon stuck on Turbo's grave. (laughs) Harvey McPherson met up with Bernie at the Creston Dinosaur. And after paying their respects to Turbo, the two men walked out to an old abandoned bridge. And they sat down together. And Harvey shared the story that he was told about how the dinosaur came to be. And Bernie recorded their conversation. Harvey... Tell me about this dinosaur. And he gives me the story. Just tell me what you had for breakfast. Just had uh, bacon and eggs and toast. And we're standing in front of the dinosaur, so tell me about the story of this dinosaur, Harvey. Well, I'm not exactly sure what year it happened, but there used to be an old railroad depot here by the name of Creston. It was kind of a small little town, I guess, probably 15, 20 shacks. And uh, some of the guys that worked here knew that someday the railroad would probably disappear and the town of Creston wouldn't even be remembered. So they uh, went over in the creek and found a cottonwood log as close to the shape of a dinosaur as they could and drug it over there by the old town and started making a dinosaur with chicken wire and plaster Paris. And I don't know how much of it's log and how much of it's something else, but that's the story I got and that's still there today. We got a little fence built around it. It's Not the best, but it kind of keeps the cattle away from it. Right alongside Highway 44, a lot of people stop and take pictures. and Kids get up on it and get their pictures taken. So that's kind of the way Creston's being remembered, I guess. This was a little boomtown. And the boomtown died. And this man built this giant dinosaur as kind of a monument to the town as it was dying, to to kind of mark the spot. Bernie stayed a few nights in the area and then met another local, and she had her own version of the Creston dinosaur story to share with him. And she said, oh, she said, that was built by a one-armed man who got his arm chopped off in a buzzsaw. And the other thing she said, she said, oh, yeah, he... He used to grow the biggest cabbages in the area. But it was neat to get these kind of random little mosaic pieces that give a sense of what was in that community, which is now dead. And so that that, that really hit me. And I wrote about that in my journal. Let me see if I can dig it up here a second. Hang on a second. I wrote this June 7th, 2008. This is the first time I've encountered a community that raised its own memorial marker before disappearing. They say the last one shut off the light. A sense that this man knew his community was disappearing. It's as though he was saying, I know we're dying, but we're leaving something to remember us by. The dinosaurs did it with skeletons. The communities did it with abandoned schoolhouses and cabins that fell down leaving their own wood skeletons. In time, the lost village of Crescent's dinosaur, too, will mark the spot with a skeleton of the plains, cottonwood bones and a few flakes of green paint, a shard of orange bicycle reflector from its dinosaur lips. (laughs) I don't know why that... 
I don't know why that just tears me up so much. Oh. Oh, that one just kind of snuck up out of, out of nowhere. Oh. A lot of the emotion that just welled up there, and I think it's because this, this particular kind of unknown or very little known landmark, it was built of cottonwood, of cement. And here I am traveling across the land with very much the same technology of, of the era where this was built, early 1900s, a mule, a wagon, being pulled ahead by, by muscle fiber, blood cells, the same thing that built the monument. A few years after Bernie and his mule Polly met the Creston dinosaur, Bernie was out on another month-long trip, this time with his wife, and this time in a car, towing the wagon behind them. On that trip, they saw the western states up close, and they observed a lot of the effects of the wildfires and the region struggling with a shortage of water. What we saw on that trip was that some parts of America aren't suited to long-term habitation. They're just not meant to have been populated, just kind of not meant to be settled. And the dinosaur, like, we can patch him with as much cement as we want. Over time, it's just a really harsh environment. He's going to go, probably going to go back to flakes of green cement and busted, you know, reflectors. And I don't know that that's necessarily bad. It's just, it's just symptomatic of that land out there. Still, people still live in the area. They run the post office, they work on the ranches, and Bernie keeps in touch. I spoke with Harvey yesterday, had a great chat. He gave me a little update, also called the uh, postmistress to check on the dinosaur. And, and yeah, she said the dinosaur really needs some help. His, he, you know, he's built a concrete, it's starting to crack. And she was really torn up about this. She said, like, apparently the dinosaur needs some help because he's got a cracking neck and wearing a neck brace. The Creston dinosaur was repaired once. In 1998, a group of civil engineering students from the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology went and worked on the dino. They rebuilt its neck and its backbone. They reinforced its legs. They applied a fresh, inch-thick layer of concrete over the whole thing. Still, it was no match for the elements. The dinosaur is elderly. The turquoise paint is chipping off the Creston dinosaur, and despite the reinforcements the students put in, the dinos got both a neck brace and a tail brace. And I'm just hoping the tail thing wasn't from where I laid out and had a little nap on it. And so I've got a photo of me, like, lying down in it, and I'm kind of feeling a little guilty about that now. (laughs) The Creston dinosaur won't be there forever. But for now, it still stands in that field, silent except for the sounds of the wind and the crickets and the rattlesnakes, a horse named Turbo buried beneath it, haunted by the ghost of a one-armed man who grew the biggest cabbages in the land, and this monumental last-ditch effort from someone just trying to keep his general store alive and hold the memory of a town that used to be. This lonely dinosaur 
holding a quiet vigil over Creston, South Dakota. For now, you can still see the Creston dinosaur from the roadside. It is just over 30 miles east of Rapid City on State Highway 44. Keep your eyes out for the big-ass dinosaur head. As for Bernie Harberts, he is still out there, still traveling with his wagon and his mule Polly, who is 30 years old now. You can learn more about their 14-month wagon trip across America in a PBS TV series called The Lost Sea Expedition. He's also got a book coming out called Trash to Triumph about riding two mules from North Carolina to Idaho and everyone he got to know along the way. This episode was produced by Johanna Mayer. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder-Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Devin DeComo, Chica Okoye, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There is a link in the episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Decoder Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Decoder Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Decoder Ring, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex. Of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radio Lab adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.